You're listening to Community Now on Hope FM with Keith Jones Bookshop, serving the community for over 50 years. Visit keithjones.co.uk. Now, we all go through challenges in our lives, and very often those challenges that we can experience in childhood uh, can be real trauma. Of course, many times we carry the hurt and the pain and the damage into our teenage years and into our adult years. And the real uh, sad thing is that very often the underlying issues are not addressed. Now, my guest today knows exactly what I'm talking about. Her name is Don Montague. Welcome, Don. Good morning. Yeah. Hi. And, and thank you for agreeing to come and, and speak to me and choose all the music for today's programme, which is great. <laughs> well, let, let's begin at, at, the, at the beginning. Uh, childhood, what, what, what was your, your childhood like? Well, my earliest memory was, was of physical abuse and, um, and my mother always being extremely angry and short-tempered and... And not somebody that I felt I could 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 trust. not somebody that I felt I could trust at all. Um, so there was no safety there. And then, I think I used to long for Daddy coming home from work, and um, I used to love to be with my dad, and thought the absolute world of him. But sadly, they divorced when I was well. They separated when I was five. I came home from school one day and uh, Daddy was gone. And um, I said, well, where's my dad? Where's my dad? And and that started a series of, sort of quite horrendous abuse for a time. Um, quite horrendous physical abuse because I was sort of asking for my dad. I looked like my dad. And obviously my my own mother's hurt and frustration, I was the... You know, I was the target for that, really. Mm. Did you, I mean, as you look back on those really bad times, uh, now, have you learned more about your mother and why she was the way that she was? Yeah, I think she'd had an extremely tough childhood herself and and no, and nobody talked or dealt with anything in those days. You just did the best you could and sometimes your best wasn't very good, you know. So many things that she perhaps needed to deal with but never f- felt that she was ever in a safe place to do that. So her childhood was terrible. So it sounds as if within her there was quite a lot of anger mm. uh, and frustration which of course sadly in this case vented upon upon you. Yeah, for for quite a time. Yeah, I mean, obviously you were you were very young. Did did, did you know at five years old? What, I mean, obviously you, you you would have known the rejection, and you would certainly have have felt the effects of the of the physical abuse. I presume that's hitting yeah. you, was it? And yeah. harsh words and so on. Yeah. But I mean, how did that affect you as a, as a, a young child? Well, you just think there's something wrong with you. You think fundamentally there is something really wrong with you because there must be, because why would this person be thrashing you with a stick and and continually thrashing you, even when I remember my mum using a cane and when the cane broke, she carried on, carried on still hitting. So hmm. you think there's something fundamentally wrong with you. Was there anybody else you know, in your life at that time, grandparents, other, other relatives, sort of people that you knew that, that, that you felt maybe you could reach out to? I mean, obviously children don't often think that way because obviously when you're young... 
No. I do remember one day, because I'd have quite a few bruises, and some, for some reason as a child, I, th I remember seeing my dad on a Saturday and him saying, what are those bruises? And I made an excuse, oh, I fell off my bike. And he said, well, if your mother's ill-treating you, you'll go to a children's home. So, of course, that didn't inspire me to ever mention it again yeah. because you thought children's homes were kind of Oliver Twist kind of places. So you just didn't... And it's nor, it, it was normal for me to be not very well treated. So apart from that meeting with your dad, did anybody else pick up that things were not right? No, no. I think my mum was very good at covering it up. And, and giving the appearance that she was, you know... A coping. Yeah. And yeah. E even a good mum? Well, I don't know. She was... I believe that she was quite narcissistic, so she was able to portray something different to what was actually the truth. Mm -hmm. So I didn't feel anybody would believe me, even if I did say. Were you a, an only child, Don, or a, a, did you have any brothers and sisters? I did have a younger sister, um, but she was a baby at this time, and she was the favourite. I <laughs> so, see. Yeah. So she, my mum actually told me that when my sister was born, she said, this one's mine. I see. So that would have confirmed very much rejection, wouldn't it? Yeah. So I wasn't anybody's... <laughs> So. Now there's a famous saying, I think it was Mark Twain, who said, give me the child up to the age of seven yeah. and I will give you the man or woman, you know. So basically what he was saying, and I guess it's true, that the most formative years for all of us mm. are those first seven years. Now, clearly, those first seven years for you uh, were, were not, they were full of, of pain and yeah. and. And, and, and injustice. You, you obviously headed into teenage years. Yeah. So did it get any better? I think my mum did become a Christian when I was around nine. So the physical abuse lessened, but the anger and the harsh words didn't. Mm -hmm. And so there was still a lot of, a lot of things... I was criticised quite a lot, you know, and um, unfortunately my dad was the same. He was very sarcastic and he would criticise me as well. So there was almost constant put-downs, you know. It was like dodging bullets every day, you know, mm. by the things that people were saying. So it just, I had no confidence at all and no sense of self-worth and I still realise that that is still within me now, you know. It's something I carry uh, well, let's have uh, uh, your first uh, piece of music, uh, and this is uh, White Snake. Here I go again. So, wh why this one, Don? Um, because that's just how I felt about most of my life. <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> let's have a listen. <laughs>
that's uh, White Snake there, uh, and here I go again, Don Montague, my very special guest uh, today. And as you heard right at the beginning of the program, Don, even as a as a as a child, experienced uh, pretty much total rejection and and physical abuse at the hands of probably the person that she most have given her uh, that love and affection and helped her uh, in those formative years. But of course, as we talked about a moment or two ago, that that people themselves, you know, and maybe you you will understand what I'm talking about because of your experience. But, you know, very often, you know, people themselves who are who are damaged, they're products of what they have gone through. And I think, Don, you know, you recognize that. Yeah. But but what was school like for you then? Oh, I loved school, actually. <laughs> was that was that your big escape? Yes, I absolutely loved school. Didn't ever want to miss school. And, and I loved learning and loved... I remember learning to read and reading has always been... I remember my first books, you know. It's always been a real passion of mine. So, yes, yeah, school was great. <laughs> and did you were you able to make some friends at school? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think still the low self-esteem did affect things. It affected every relationship. But, um, but yeah, I had, had friends and um, I was quite active and, you know, so I, I did enjoy being away from home, <laughs> being out. Well, I'm not surprised, actually. <laughs> and, uh, and, and obviously you, you, you said that your mum did actually become a Christian. She did yeah, find she did, faith. Yeah. How did that happen and what sort of impact did that have then on, on family life? I think, she, I think she, if I remember rightly, she woke up singing a hymn. And I think she'd always had some sort of I think she told me a story once about being locked in a cupboard when she was a child. Mm -hmm. So she was being bullied yeah. and she was locked in the cupboard and she remembered seeing a light. So I think it had always been within her. And, and obviously after the separation from my dad, perhaps um, she just woke, she woke up singing a hymn and she start, we started going to church. So that saved me then really did you and like going to church i loved it yeah i loved so it like it was like school yeah i loved it yeah. yeah and what about what about faith yourself i mean did <clears throat> did you always have a, a a sense that there was somebody there that there was a god uh, or was that something that 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 grew within you yeah in that sense that it's a very funny thing but i've never felt alone I've never felt alone. <laughs> this sounds strange, but even when I'm thinking, I've never felt that I'm thinking that it, that I'm alone. Even when I'm just thinking, I feel that someone hears those thoughts and knows those thoughts and knows me. You know, so. But I never felt that there wasn't a God. And of course, the, I suppose that was one of the things that would have sustained you. You know, knowing that actually there's one source where you can find approval. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if I knew that I was approved of, <laughs> but at that stage, you know, yeah. I probably thought he was. I probably thought he was quite cross with me as well. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, many people, you know, even when they become a Christian, I mean, it is a sad reality, unfortunately, that there are as many problems within the Christian community as there are outside of it. So yeah. divorce rates and so on are as high. It's, it's really quite an interesting thing when you when you have a closer look at it. But I guess that. Calling yourself a Christian, being a Christian, uh, doesn't necessarily mean that overnight you, we all become reformed, perfect people. You know, mm. it's a process of 
discipleship is the term that that we use in Christian faith and and, and so on. Um, when you, 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 your is your mom still with us? No, she died about uh, six years ago. And was there ever a, a point before she passed away that you were able to get a little bit closer to her and talk about some no, of these things? No, no, I. I really waited for that. I longed for that because she had, she had lung cancer, and I I was really waiting for that, that affirmation from her for that conversation, because I'm quite a communicator and I really needed to hear things from her, but they were never said and it was never addressed. It was kind of still brushed under the carpet, and ignored, you know. And so did uh, you did you try reaching out to her? I tried to once, and she said, well, God's forgiven me. It doesn't matter what you think. So <laughs> so there was still that bit of harshness. Yeah, so there was still no... I still didn't... I didn't matter. So my feelings didn't matter. And, and quite often I was... They, you know, I was... If I mentioned things, I was just being oversensitive or... You know, so so there were so many reasons not to open up, you know... Now, when you uh, got into sort of years of understanding into your teenage years, heading towards your your adult years, what were the things that really helped you? I mean, you, obviously, you loved you loved being outside the home. <laughs> <laughs> you loved education. You loved actually the experience of, of going to church. Yeah, uh, and so on. And what were, what were the elements in that that really helped you? I I do genuinely love people, so I love being around people. And um, and I loved, I did love Jesus, you know, and I, I loved learning, I loved singing, you know, and and I was quite sporty. And, and we had an amazing youth group that I went to every Saturday, and that was a one of the best times. And there were families in the church that were wonderful, that really did demonstrate to and, and sort of fixed within me an idea of what Christians should be like so you were you, you were experiencing that love yeah uh, and, and and what a christian home should be like from from family and friends within within church that you got yeah, to know. yeah yeah i mean there was one family that i particularly remember john and hillary dyson they used to open their home once a month they'd have everybody back for lunch and we'd do a big bring and share and they had lots of a huge garden and lots of animals. They had a small holding. And we used to run around there. And um, that had a huge impact because we had a great time. And isn't it interesting? That here, here we are as adults discussing all of this. But those things actually stay with us for life, don't they? Yeah. Unfortunately, the bad things stay with us for life as well. That's true, yeah. Until, of course, we get... As a measure of, of inner healing and so on. Did yeah. you ever have that? Did you? Was there? Has there been a point, you know, in your life where you you've had some inner healing, where you've been able to talk these things through? I, I've just I've had some very recently, but we've only we've only really. <laughs> so you're at, the, you're at the threshold of it. Yeah. So we've only really just dusted the surface. Mm-hmm. I think we we didn't get much further than me aged five, you know. I thought we'd do quite a lot. I'll tell you what, Don, you just land that couch there and I'll, <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have a practice. Okay. <laughs> but of course, I mean, unfortunately, you know, your experience is not uncommon, you know, uh, because there are so many 
people or i guess all of us are damaged goods aren't they mm. uh, and and i guess that yes we can we have faith but actually there's beyond that we need to grow in that yeah. faith and a very big part of that is building self-esteem now normally of course you would get that from uh, from your family and those who are closest to you but of course you were kicked out of, <laughs> out yeah. of your house were you 16 when that happened yeah so what happened then well i I sort of bounced around a lot, <laughs> living with different people, you know. I, there was, I was never really... There, there was kind of no fixed abode. So I might stay here for a few months. So quite with, a bit with family of, or with friends? With people that I knew. Sure. They weren't re- I couldn't really say they were friends. They were just acquaintances, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I just sort of found it quite difficult to find somewhere to settle. Sure. Or somewhere I felt safe. So I probably... And then later on I got boyfriends, so I'd probably live with the boyfriend for a time and then it wouldn't work out. So, mm. you know, so it was, <clears throat> it was very unsettled. Hope FM, a voice for the community. Well, my very special guest today who's been sitting waiting, waiting patiently, listening in as you were to Adrian talking there, is, is Don Montague. And we've been talking really about about her life and about the, the, the pain and rejection that she suffered uh, really into your, into your teenage years, Don, wasn't it? Did you did you feel you know when you because obviously you were going to church and so on regularly yeah. you no doubt heard many sermons yeah <laughs> lots of teaching was there anything th- within the teaching that you experienced that that in any way you felt really addressed the 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 day to day reality that you were going through um. Well, I, I don't know really, because I mean, I loved the story. I loved Jesus, and I loved the stories, and I loved I loved hearing about the Bible. Um, but there was a disconnect, you know. We were that was just for two hours on a Sunday morning, and it didn't carry through into my home home life, unfortunately. So, so it it wasn't. Perhaps a relationship, you know, which is what what I now experience with the Lord. It was more, well, we thought about the Lord for two hours on a Sunday morning and then we went back to... So it was a nice experience on a Sunday morning. Yeah. um, But that was it. (laughs) Yeah, and there was also some rejection within that because as I grew, um, the church that I went to actually, I mean, I was... as we had a single parent family I lived in a council house and there were lots of very middle class people so even within church I there was a sense that I was looked down upon and when I got to the age where I you know I was interested in the young men and the young young boys were interested in me it was very clear to me that I wasn't good enough for certain people within the church so that didn't in a way, that didn't help either. So, so it's another layer, isn't it? Adding yeah. to already feelings of low self-esteem and so on. So you know, you're <coughs> not quite good enough just because of your parental circumstances. Mm. Of course, you know, one of the most important things, of course, of any church life is is the is the relationships. First and foremost, the relationship with God through Jesus, yeah, and, and then and then obviously our relationship with one another, and we have home groups and all sorts of things yeah. that, that enable that to happen. But I guess you weren't part of anything like that. Uh, apart, again, apart from that, your youth group. Again, I, again, I think 
you know what it did come across a certain amount of hypocrisy you know there was there was the the ideal and then there was what what it was the reality of what I was experiencing in my interactions with people. Whenever I talk to people about religion, you know, I say to people, I'm not at all religious, you know. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I always think that religion is a killer because in, because in a very real sense, you know, religion is really the form of worship. You yeah. know, we can sing the right songs and we can, we can go to church. And when I was a boy, I went about three times on a Sunday. A day because I got BB Bible. In fact, I went a lot more yeah. than that. A BB Bible class first thing in the morning, boys' brigade, and then I had the 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 main service, and then I had Sunday school in the afternoon, and then I had the evening service. Yeah. So apart from being exhausted, you know, now of course I was very fortunate because I, I did go to a good church and I did hear, you know, the the, the truth of the gospel being preached, and, and and I did have some very positive influences. Mm. in my life and I really thank God for all of that but of course I, I equally know that, that, that there, you can go through all of that you know yeah. uh, and that you know that you have a form of life but it it lacks the power it lacks the, mm. the, the, the Holy Spirit's influence on all of that sorts of things yeah. uh, and of course that then's the killer you know because it's then more about have you been to church three yeah. times you know whatever and it can become quite legalistic in some quarters. I'm pleased to say that in many cases we're moving away from yeah. that, and there's a there's a stronger recognition of relationships being very very important mm. uh, 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 and whatever. But of course, with you being part of that uh, of your experience, it would have only reinforced your rejection. Yeah, because it's just another place where you're you're not quite good enough, you know. Well, so you, you know, you, you, there's another layer to you being not quite good enough. <laughs> well, of course, the thing you've got to remember about you know Christian life is that you can put a mouse in a biscuit tin, but that doesn't make the mouse a biscuit. <laughs> uh, and that, that's not my quote. That's actually Corrie Ten Boom, the lovely Dutch lady who, who helped people during the, the Second World War with her sister Betsy. And, and of course, what she's saying is, you know, you can be, you can go to church and you do, mm. but it doesn't make you a Christian. Um, mm. Uh, obviously, th uh, things were to were, were to change for you, and uh, but but actually, pretty much all of your life until just as you say fairly recently, you would have had this sort of relationship with going to a church. But it's almost as if the real you was invisible. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I remember sort of over the years trying to go back to various different churches. And often experiencing some kind of rejection, maybe somebody would, and maybe because of, I don't, don't entirely blame other people. But well, I suppose people wouldn't have known. Because I'm the walking wounded, if you like. So I'm course. walking into a church, and people might say something careless or offhand or make an assumption, or you know, because because we all do, and um, that could be extremely hurtful, mm. you know. And and so I wouldn't go. You know, it, it had put me off going, you know. If that happened now, or even to me, Don, if I, if I was to say something to you unkind, that, you know, I, I know nothing about you, but I'd say, well, you know, you were 10 minutes late for the programme this morning, and, you know, I, I expect more of my guests, and I talk to you <laughs> in that sort of manner. Would you stand up to me? 
No, I would probably apologise. Ah. But I would I would overthink that a great deal and, and probably feel like I was a complete failure. I would be carrying that around for a long so time. So you take it rather than say, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. You, yeah. what, what about the traffic queue that I was stuck in, you know, here? Uh, you know, I didn't arrange for that bus to, to, ro- to crash into the car or whatever, you know. <laughs> probably, ta- I probably would take it, yeah. Yeah. I might think about all that later, but my first reaction would be to probably internalise it, yeah. I would imagine, yeah. And of course, it's a primary, it's a primary tool that the evil one, Satan himself, uses to yeah. all all believers oh yeah because oh yeah i've never met a christian you know there you are sat in church you know and in this one ear maybe in both ears you've got this little voice saying you you hypocrite what are you sitting there for you're worshiping that god whenever you said what oh, you yeah. said to your husband or your wife or yeah it's, it's a voice of accusation isn't it yeah yeah and and he doesn't he doesn't want us to know who we are Mm. you know created and loved as a child of god you know he doesn't want us to know that as if he can get us as far as he if he can totally destroy us and that's his get his his end game isn't it so i suppose lesson number one here don for all of us is if people say negative things to us we don't have to accept it no we do but we shouldn't should we yeah but also you know the bible says we should be very careful what we say you know yeah, well, the tongue, and the yeah. tongue steers the whole boat and you know you can say i know in my own life you need to be so careful what you say and you don't know what someone's going through you know i heard recently that somebody sitting alone in church is an emergency mm-hmm. and i really believe that because i know at times that was me and you need to be very careful how you approach people and what you say to them but the flip side to that story was when I did give my life totally to the Lord and say I do not want to live another day without you I said to him oh what about all those times I went to church and it didn't work and the Lord said to me so clearly did you want a relationship with them or do you want one with me Mm. And that is what I'd got wrong because I was seeking what I needed from the church and from the people within the church. Now I know they can't give me what I need. That it's not about them. Mm. It's about me and God. And my relationship is with him first. And people can say rude things to me, but I can take that to the Lord and pray about it mm. and, and all my affirmation and and all my relationship is with him and and anything else is a bonus isn't it and i suppose that there's a number of facts that we need to get straight and that is we're all damaged goods yeah uh and it's interesting really because i i i, I love saying to people you know that uh, none of us are perfect uh and none of us no matter what we think we're not holier than thou. Mm. in fact uh, i think because we've been forgiven every single one of us being forgiven and are being forgiven every single day actually because we've received that that we should be dishing it out to each other in bucket loads you know yeah absolutely and and to people who aren't christians or other faiths or or whatever that i i always say that 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 god has planted us and we should blossom where we are Mm. uh, sharing sharing his love and of course that that 
needs patience and it needs time and it needs mm. the Holy Spirit, the power of God within us. Mm, the fruits of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. We love joy, peace, patience. long-suffering, patience, absolutely. Self-control. And that sort of put, just showing as much grace as you possibly can mm. and asking for more, you know, in each, with each person that you, you deal with, you know. Now, of course, you said there you looked to Jesus and you even said to yourself, Dawn, Listen to me. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to Community Now on Hope FM with Keith Jones Bookshop, serving the community for over 50 years. Visit keithjones.co.uk. Well, Don Montague is my guest today. I just asked her a moment or two ago while you were listening to the, the ads there, uh, you know, how good are you now at self assertion, you know, and uh, well, you're still not that good at it. Are no. You? <laughs> <laughs> But you need to be, don't you? Yes. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a skill to learn, though, isn't it? Like it everything is a, else. It and, is a skill. And but I guess that I always feel that, you know, uh, Christian people, many people are very sensitive, you know, and they don't want to hurt other people and so yeah. on. But actually, I think that, you know, that if you don't reject what some of the things people say, particularly people who don't really know you very well, yeah. then A, it hurts you because you think, oh, maybe, like when you were a little girl and you said, the problem must be me. Yeah. Like in a way, you're almost saying, well, the problem's still me, you know. Yeah. Whereas what we only say is, hold on a minute. The worst thing I ever did was to help my wife to be assertive. Yeah. Now she's telling me off all the time. <laughs> she said, that's a load of rubbish. <laughs> but sometimes it is a load of rubbish what comes out of Blair's mind. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So, and I yeah. guess that, that uh, it's really important. But uh, the number one, maybe hardest lesson for us to learn is do not just accept everything that people say about yeah. you, particularly yeah. if it's not true. And and, if it's, and I think also you... I don't know, have you ever had what I call, Don, the uh-uh feeling? It's yeah. When, it's when you're yeah. around some people, you know, and you get this, mm-mm, hold on a minute, this, yeah, is, this doesn't yeah. feel right. Have you had that? Yes, yeah, yeah. Have you ever thought that that's God's way of warning you to be careful? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, since I've been a Christian, that's certainly more finely tuned sense of, you know, and, and a sense of uneasiness, you know, when people say things or you hear things, you mm. know. There's more of that guiding yeah. within you by the Holy Spirit, you know, that's... That it's a little check. It's called discernment, and, you know, that's, yeah. that's the sort of term that the Bible uses, but it's, it's where, because God is for us, uh, and even his telling off yeah. is firm, yes. Like he talked yeah. to you, like he said yeah. to you, Don, who are you listening to? <laughs> well, when you think about it, it's a bit of a telling off. You know, I, I want to. Oh, yeah, uh, but he's so, he's quite humorous with it. It's quite, I find it sometimes can be quite, um, you know, it's a nice telling off. Yeah, and you know, even even times, sometimes because I put things down, you know, and I've, I've, I've walked out of the house and I, I have literally almost heard a voice in my ear saying, Blair, you've forgotten your glasses again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you yeah. know that sort of thing, but but it's I, kind of a loving telling, a loving guidance rather than a telling off, isn't and, it? And in a way, I suppose it's what you should have experienced as a child yeah. growing up, you know. And I, and every parent's challenge, isn't it, is to is to to guide and mm. and to love, uh, be firm, but yeah. but actually in a way which you know you're loved, you know yeah. you're loved, yeah. uh, and and that affirmation. And I guess it's a really sad thing that not everybody 
mm. experiences that. But it's equally a good thing because you're you're a walking hope, aren't you? Because every, yeah, <laughs> in fact, you're a, you're a crusader for all women who've been rejected. Absolutely, uh, and, I am. And, and for all kids who have who have gone through injustice. Absolutely, yeah. And so, who anybody who doesn't feel that good about themselves, you know. Absolutely. Because I know how that feels, you know. Mm. And of course, it's not how God ever feels about us, even when we're no. in a totally wrong place uh, where we might be thinking, God, you should reject me. But he, yeah. doesn't, he doesn't, does he? Well, somebody prayed for me about a while ago and uh, they just had this sense that God was saying, that's my girl. And I absolutely f- broke into floods of tears. But that's exactly what I needed to hear God say, you know. And it's that's funny, my girl. That's my girl, you know. And that was mm-hmm. just the most affirming thing I could mm-hmm. ever hear in my whole life. And the thing that you've now shared that with us on the radio, you know, so every time you're feeling low yeah. or you feel someone's getting yeah. at you or, or harsh words are coming your way, just remember to say, Don, that's my girl. That's my girl, yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah. And also I think it's, I really believe it's so important that to take each thought captive and when you do have those thoughts that you do take them captive. Who does God say that I am? And is this his voice, you know? And um, is this what God says about me? Mm. And I think taking each thought captive is so important because some of those thoughts are being fed to you by the enemy and they're not, they're not beneficial to you. No, you well, know. of course, they come in many forms, you know. I mean, ultimately, I think you're quite right. It is the enemy of our souls, the devil, call you know, Lucifer, call him what you will, but but uh, he's very real and, of course, hits God's people with a passion. And yeah. In fact, hits anybody who comes anywhere close to spending time to discover what's really the truth about this God. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, I've, I've talked to some people and they've, they've said, oh, I don't believe in God. And I said, well, tell me about the God you don't believe in. And they tell me and I say, well, I wouldn't believe in a God like that either. That's really good. <laughs> That's really good, actually. But it's yeah. true, isn't it? Yeah. Because there's all these... It's not the same same God I know. No, I, I I used to think that you know if people really well, I still think that if people really knew what God is like, and Jesus came principally to show us what God is like. Yeah, uh, who wouldn't want to run into His arms? Well, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but there's yeah. this battle now. Of course, you did reach a point where I mean, because you did talk in terms that you you had quite a lot of of church contact. You had quite a lot of. I suppose, religion yeah. in your life. But it reached a crunch point, didn't it? Yeah, well, I, I sort of stopped trying to go back to church, actually, for a time, and then um, got sort of very involved in sort of new age thinking. And, you know, it started off every self-help book going. I probably read it to try and make feel better about myself. So there was really. good, good reasons why you yeah. were really, because you needed aff- affirmation, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, so every sort of self-help book going, you know, mm. I can do this, you know, I will do this. And, um, and that sort of, you know, and I had an unhealthy interest in fortune telling and and um, I started becoming interested in all sorts of things like Reiki and crystals and meditation yoga and and all of that and it just it's one of those you can make your own religion so you think well i like this i'm interested in flowers so i'll i'll do flower psychometry and i'll you know and you can you can go down so many different blind alleys and rabbit holes and um Did did, did any of that help you no 
And the people I met, for sure, they I could see that they weren't Christians. I think it's um, Philip Yancey that said he left church because there was so little grace. But he went back to church because he couldn't find any anywhere else. <laughs> so there was it was non-existent everywhere else. And I think I could see that these people, even the people that were saying that they were Reiki healers, they weren't showing love as I understood that it should be shown. They were self, still self-centered, very much in it for the money you know, £40 for waving a crystal over somebody for half an hour kind of thing and you know. And I suppose it's a vicious circle isn't it because many people who do practice the sort of new age uh, uh, things that you just talked about, there are genuine people of course who truly believe that you know that that this is helpful and I guess maybe to some degree for some people you know it is but not of course what you were searching for it's not Jesus is it (laughs) it's not the ultimate um it might help but I there's something a lot better Mm. you know so you tried it all tried it all but it got to the point and actually my I was confused I, I got to the point where I I absolutely didn't know who I was anymore. I was so busy trying to just survive, I think. I just And of course you're an adult at this stage. It, yeah, and it wasn't very relaxing. I was just always trying to improve trying to do, you know, making all this tremendous effort to survive. Um and it was very not relaxing at all. And uh, I just thought I don't know who I am anymore. I actually didn't really want to live anymore if I'm honest. I'd mm. had enough. I just got to that point. It's just like, I'm, I'm done, you know. And um, it was really, I don't know which came first. But I know I decided I'm not going to think about any of this anymore. I'm not going to meditate. I'm not going to do mantras. I'm not going to read. I'm just going to stop it all and see what happens. And then... This song started repeating in my mind. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. Which is what we played earlier on, yeah. And it's all about you, Jesus. And that was strange. That as soon as I cleared away everything else, and then I was in Fleet at the time. I was working as a living carer, looking after a a lady there. And I went out shopping, and uh, I was sitting down on a bench. And these three ladies approached me and said, um, "We'd like to pray for you." And we'd like to tell you that, well, first they said, we want to tell you that God loves you. Um, we've been, we were, we're treasure seekers and we were praying before we came out and we saw a lady in boots and the colour orange and was sitting outside Sainsbury's and had boots on. And uh, they prayed with me and I think I cried a fair bit. And I went back to where I was staying and I just remember getting prostrate on the floor and saying, God, I do not want to take another step in this world without you. So if we just backtrack on that a little bit. So there's these three ladies and uh, <laughs> just in case those of you who don't know what treasure seeking is, so what it is that, that some people, uh, they, want, they want to be directed to the, the right people who need help. So they pray. Mm. They pray that God would, would, would direct them. Now, in the case of these three ladies, they had clearly a, a vision of you. Yeah. They had not seen you at that point. No. So they saw you in your boots and on the on the bench. Uh, and of course, uh, 
they went about their business and having prayed, prayed leaders to the right person. And there, there you were. Yeah, there <laughs> all, I was. Yeah. All sat prepared. But of course, the very fact that God would go to the trouble of a telling those ladies, just as they had yeah. gone to the trouble of listening to His mm. voice. Mm. Shouts a big love, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's really shouting, Dawn. Yeah, I love you, and I just want to prove it to you. Mm. You'll make me cry. <laughs> but, but it's amazing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. That 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 because that's what when you told me that I thought, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you had this word, and really a word from God. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, it changed that. Then you know that changed my life forever, really. You know, and uh, so did you then begin to find some people who were who were more affirming? Well, for a time, I was because because of the nature of my job. For a time, it was just me and God, mm-hmm. um, and that was really good. I decided I was going to read my whole Bible, and um, and I, you know, I was listening to lots of YouTube is amazing. I could listen to lots of teaching. You know, I loved listening to Derek Prince and David Pawson, and maybe there was some memory of them in, from my childhood because I seemed to like these older preachers. Preachers. I think there was a, like a memory, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, but it was amazing actually because it was like the Holy Spirit was downloading things because I remembered so many verses from my childhood and so many things from Sunday school and so many songs were coming. It was like it was flooding my consciousness, but I hadn't um, I hadn't thought about them for years. So all those it was like almost like God had taken those thirty odd years in between and just wiped them out. Like they didn't happen, you know, and um, so for a while it was just me and the Lord, which I think was good. Mm. Um, but well, it clearly was good, wasn't it? Yeah, it was brilliant. Because I, I was reading the Old Testament one day, and I don't know, I came across something about idolatry, and I just completely, inside, just completely broke me. And I just realized that that's what I've done. I've put everything before God, you know, and it just completely undid me from the inside out, you know, and it really changed me forever. I think then I knew what repentance was because I really grieved that I'd done that, you know. Mm. I really felt sorry, and more than sorry, just sorry that I'd actually hurt God, that I'd actually done that to him. Now here's a question for you, and and because uh, I did an interview recently with somebody who uh, who touched on this, but I ask you this: in all of this, uh, you're you're hitting reality, you're hitting the truth. You will yeah. know the truth. Yeah. Of course, the second bit of that verse is, and the truth will set you free. Absolutely. Now here you're going through correction in your thinking and whatever, and you're clearly knowing that it's coming from God. In all of that, did you ever feel the slightest sense of rejection? No, absolutely not. And would I be right in saying that love was the dominant? Oh, absolutely. Mm. And so much love that I really wanted everybody to, I wanted everyone to have it because there was so much of it. I thought everybody needs to know about this. And you were overdue it, weren't you? I mean, it was, of course, God never stopped. God loved the five-year-old you. He, yeah. he knit you together in, 
in your mother's womb. You know, yeah. he knows, as he knows, everything about all of us. But then the penny drops for mm. you. It was a wee bit into your adult years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know why it took so long, but... Well, I suppose like a day is, you know, to God. <laughs> so but, it's one of those interesting things, isn't it? Yeah. But, I mean, it is true that, that we human beings, we're stubborn, aren't we? We're, yeah. we're slow to learn. And actually, I suppose for you, you did reach a point of desperation, didn't yeah. you? That, that, and, and maybe more of us need to reach that point of desperation because yeah. we, we can go on our sweet, merry way. And actually, yeah. God doesn't really feel... I mean, we... Well, we say we love him, but it doesn't really feature too much in our everyday life. That's the danger, isn't it? Yeah, I think I tried to live without him. Mm. Tried very hard to live without God. And and I was very stubborn. I was trying really, really hard, you know. And um, well, I had to get to the point where I knew I couldn't. We need some more music. And, the, <laughs> and, and of course, this next song is a very affirming one because it says, No one ever cared for me like Jesus Amen. Is it Stephanie Gretzinger? I don't know how to say it. <laughs> if you say it fast, I'm just I'm just reading it off, off the bit of paper. It's a good song. Anyway, let's have a listen to it. If my heart could tell a story, if my life would sing a song, if I have a testimony. In you alone, my joy was found. Well, there's beautiful words in that song. Uh, no one ever cared for me like Jesus, Stephanie. Yeah, great singer. Lovely, lovely, lovely words. And I guess those aren't just words, of course, because you've chosen the music today, but they're, they're truth to you, aren't they? they absolutely, yeah. Now, you decided that you'd want to go to Bible college. <laughs> Yes. What what was it that prompted that? Well, that was a sort of a roundabout decision to... So the first thing, um, as I told you, when I really experienced God's love for me, I wanted the whole world to know, so I wanted to be a missionary. And uh, I decided to go to uh, to do a mission trip to Ukraine, actually. And... Um, the mission trip was called Loving Elderly Ukrainian Jews. And I thought, well, I can do that because I look after elderly people. Because you were a carer. Because I was a carer. So that sounds absolutely amazing. So I went to do that for 10 days. And that was really life-changing. Um, and speaking to these Jewish people, older people, they were telling me their stories of what they'd been through during the war and... Oh, they'd been to Helen back, hadn't they? Oh, I was so privileged to hear their stories because I'd heard it from older people from this side of the of the world, but to hear their stories, obviously, it was so much more difficult, especially if you were were Jewish. And um, there was a wonderful messianic fellowship that I absolutely fell in love with, and the people there. So it was really, really life changing, and. Um, Whilst I was there, the pastor, Pastor Oleg, was praying for me and uh, he said, God wants you to shine for him now. He wants you to use everything he's put inside of you now. And there was very much an urgency because he repeated now. So, so I thought, oh, I better go, go and be a missionary then, you know. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I signed up with OM to do a, a mission discipleship training 
and um, and of course Operation Mobilization or OM as you say are really really good at, at discipleship training aren't yeah they? yeah I mean I did I, I must have I did 12 weeks training but I must admit I wanted more Bible there was that want that wanting to know more you wanted a little bit more depth of theology yeah I mm. really did and and I think even and I went to Albania and was was doing missionary work there I was teaching English actually and I started doing a Bible study with some young girls and it was just the best and and um, that was the one thing that I could do that all day and not even look at the clock you know it was obviously my passion and so I started look it was it was a lovely story because I started looking online for Bible colleges but I didn't know I was thinking I was going to do something online but I said, you know what, Lord, I, if you want me to do this, it's going to be a waste of time me looking. Because if you want, if this is something you want, you will arrange it for me and I just need to abide in you. So so I just stopped looking, really. And um, a Christian friend sent me this uh, link to Moreland's Bible College. Is this something God wants you to do? And I said, oh, I do really hope so, because it's something I really want to do. And obviously that was a bit of a dilemma, because I was already, thought I was already working, doing my work, you know. I was in Albania, I was doing, you know, I was out there serving the Lord and teaching English, and I thought, so it was a big decision to come back and actually um, go to Bible Go back to school, effectively. Yeah, yeah, it was a big decision, but... It was a real something I I did speak to people about it and I spoke to my old youth leader actually, um Ken Matthews from when I was a, a teenager and uh he said just the right things really and he said this will further equip you for ministry and seeing as ministry is what I wanted to do. Um and he actually said something very very sweet as well. He said, if I was your dad, this is what I'd tell you to do. So that was another... I suppose at that moment he was your dad. Another affirmation, mm. you know. So um, I thought, OK. Because um, I'd prayed a lot, you know, should I, shouldn't I, you know. Mm. Didn't want to make the wrong decision. And that was another affirmation. So I came back to uh, this area and... Um, off to college you went? Off to college, off to Moorlands, yeah. And of course, Moorlands is renowned for its practically the theology, so in, it, there's, there's two things. You're getting very good teaching, and of course you've got a diverse range of yeah. students from all sorts of backgrounds there. Absolutely. But then Moorlands has a, a very, very um, heavy emphasis on applied theology, so in other words, working out what it is that you're yeah. learning. And, and serving others and serving within the church and and of course you've been doing all of that and using the gifts that god's given you you know so so if you look back at the beginning of your journey i mean i know you've you've still got is it another three or four years ahead of you three years yeah three years with college and um but what's your what's been your experience have you is it helping yeah uh, what well, college yes oh college is amazing i feel i feel hugely privileged to be going and to be listening the tu the tutors the lecturers are amazing to be listening to all their wisdom um it's just i i thank god honestly every time we go up to the to college i just i feel it's a tremendous 
blessing and privilege to be there. I absolutely love it. Absolutely. No, you know. And that knowledge that you want to, uh, you know, obviously is increasing all the time. And I guess also because you're meeting with quite a diverse range of other students. That in itself is interesting, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Students from all over. I mean, a lot of them are quite a bit younger than me. Because I'm an oldie, but... (laughs) Yeah, but you need maturity, don't you? I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, I bet you, you know, if if they were listening to us now, some of them may well be, you know, uh, listening to your story. You know, I have no idea about. No, that's the, right. All of that, but you think of all that experience in you, Don. Uh, e- even the hard experience that you had there, but it, yeah. it's part of who you are, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Mm. And um, the fact is, God can use all of that, and He's He has given given me gifts that you know through that and because of that you know so if you could do anything at all you know in terms of christian service or, or any other thing for that matter what, what, what where you're sat right now what, what would you do what would you be your heart's desire my heart's desire is to be a bible teacher because i believe people don't generally there's a lot of ignorance around the bible and i think it's just so good you know it's so good and it's so interesting and 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 when you know something about the background and the culture and the land and and you know what it really meant in the day and and you know what was really going on because sometimes we can read it and it's like we don't really know what we're reading but when you really get to sort of right, well, so this was going on, so that's why they said that, and that's why this happened, and so and, the context, know, in yeah, which, the yeah, context, context, yeah. Have you yeah. ever been to Israel? No, we're hoping to go next summer um, with the one of the with Moreland. So I'm so excited, I can't wait. Something to look forward to. Now, of course, you haven't been twiddling your thumbs because you, you you're volunteering, you're volunteering at the Water Lily Project, absolutely, yeah, uh, and you're you're involved at the uh, the. Uh, is it the Christian Centre in Christchurch? Christchurch Christian Centre, yeah. Yeah, uh, heavily involved there as well. And, of course, you've been at Emmanuel for a little while over in Southbourne. Yeah. So you're building all this experience. Absolutely, yeah. And, um, well, I'll be doing a lot more from September with Elim. I'll be doing a, a Bible study, which I'm really excited about, and uh, once a week and prayer meetings and... You know, helping out on a Sunday, and and we have a meeting place on a Monday. So there's lots going on as well. You're exercising yeah. those spiritual muscles, and absolutely, and, and practical muscles as well. Absolutely, <laughs> as well. Now, all of this, because people listening to us right at the beginning of this interview might be thinking, well, there's a a withered flower on the end of the <laughs> microphone. Now, I have to say, Don, that you don't come across to me as a withering flower. I'm not. Uh, so you have toughened up quite a bit, then, haven't you? Well, I suppose I suppose I think they they within me there was because I call myself a prodigal daughter there was within me a sense a feeling a regret that I'd wasted all those years although we don't we could say they're not wasted in one sense because God can use all that but there was a feeling within me that that Oh, but all those 30 years, I could have been doing stuff, me and I could have been doing stuff with God, and I didn't, and I wasn't. You know, we could have been doing stuff together, and, and I could have been in relationship with God, and um, 
and and who knows what we could have achieved and so there was a a feeling within me that i'd wasted a lot of time you know Mm. um of course people talk about the school of hard knocks but there's another saying i prefer and that is that 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 all of our lives is the perfect preparation for the future for the future that only god can see so even in the pain, I mean, probably, I mean, I've interviewed scores of people uh, over the years, and, and I, I think I could honestly say, and from my own experience, really, that there's nothing ever wasted, that even yeah. in the darkest moments and the pain and rejection and the times whenever we think, oh, God is not with me, that actually we're learning all the time uh, mm. and, and, and we are being shaped. I, th- yeah. I think that God is definitely more concerned about our character yeah. Uh, than he is about giving us what we want. Yeah. <laughs> when we want it. Yeah. <laughs> I want it now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's that sort of regret of not being with him, you know, and not No, I can know, under- I can understand that. Not having that relationship that I do now, you know. You're listening to Community Now on Hope FM with Keith Jones Bookshop, serving the community for over fifty years. Visit keithjones.co.uk well, we have to pull together our, our conversation, uh, Donna. If there are people who have listened to us this morning, men or women, you know, and they've gone through negative experiences and, and maybe their self-esteem has been shot to pieces. Uh, I mean, you're still learning to be assertive. You're still learning, you know, as you said, to be able to reject things which, which you know not to be right. But what advice would you give? What would be your primary advice listening to somebody listening to us right now who, who thinks that they themselves actually are the problem uh, rather than, than other reasons? Um, I guess my first advice would be talk to the Lord about it, you know, because only he can... Um, I would get on your knees and just ask him to help because, you know, it's never too late and um, it's just the right thing to do and the best thing you can ever do, really, is to just ask him to come into your life and um, and it all changes from there. You said it, yeah. Hope FM, a voice for the community.